0: welcome to the deal champs podcast we have a very special guest on today real quick my name is stratton brown aka strat daddy i have a seven figure real estate portfolio we own a virtual assistant company that helps small businesses scale and i got started in real estate from playing college football with absolutely zero life skills and then now i've transitioned that to build a seven-figure real estate portfolio and then two other seven-figure businesses our goal here and we don't have the master of hair with us today he's somewhere doing it must be nice things at the ritz carlton (laughs) but our goal today is to make sure you guys are able to implement all of these tactics and strategies that we go over into your business and today's guest is going to be awesome we have with us today captain america mr dean rogers
1: what's up guys your other co-host here dean rogers uh For those of you who don't know, I started my career in the NFL and transitioned from the NFL to then corporate and then to real estate, been investing in real estate for the past 10 years now in Central California. We've done over 600 deals and have a rental portfolio of almost $10 million. I've been coaching coaching students on uh, the Wholesaling Playbook, and you guys can always connect with me at DeanRogers.com. And now we have the master of land. The Hive Mind Ninja,
0: Mr. Anthony. Anthony, how do I even say your last name? Guyona. Guyona, yeah. Got it. There we go. Got it. First try.
2: What's that? Okay, introduce, yeah. I'm a general contractor from San Antonio, Texas. I, I grew up in that business since I was 12. Went on to do, you know, giant roofing projects, commercial roofing, half a million, million dollar roofs. And I was looking to buy some land for my family for, for us to build a house on came across the term wholesaling on YouTube and bam, we're off to the races, man. I made like 85 K on one of my first land deals. And I immediately lost focus on flipping and remodels and that stuff and stuck with land as a niche. And now we're looking to scale this bad boy.
0: And just to keep everybody like really enticed, Anthony should be having a million dollar month this month. And his biggest deal was 433 grand. He has another, is it 200 acre deal? That's being entitled currently. Yep,
2: yep. two forty three right now. Two
0: hundred forty three acre deal, and Jeez. then I know I met Anthony through his partner Daniel way back when when I first got started in real estate. Me and Daniel were both part of Steve Trang's mastermind. Yeah, dude. That, yeah, that's cool. That's that's awesome. I didn't know you were in there with them too. Yeah, it was like me, Daniel. There was a there was a bunch of us. Uh, Jr., you're from San Antonio, right? Yeah. J, that's where we met Jr. too. Fernandez, Yeah.
2: Oh, cool, man. Okay. I didn't know he was over there too. In that same group.
0: Yes. Yeah, so we met Jr too. So there's a bunch of us, but bro, tell us what your first year in real estate looked like and how that transition went of uh, transitioning from being in the blue collar space into like wholesaling houses.
2: Dude, so I always say I cheated, right? Jokingly, because uh, I've already been doing marketing for like 15 years with my construction company. So I'm running this uh, multi million dollar roofing company with just my cell phone. I had no warehouses, no trucks, no trailers, no equipment, and no employees, right? So I would generate the leads, I would meet the insurance companies, sue them, get the money for the clients, and then I would just sub it out to a third party roofing company, right? So uh, I was already wholesaling really construction leads. So uh, I think it's in December, like mid-December, I think it was like 2018. I'm on look, looking looking on researching how to buy land for cheap is exactly what I typed into YouTube. And I launched my first marketing campaign by like January 1 of, of 2019. And I spent like thirty thousand immediately on everything. Google Pay-Per-Click. I pulled half a million records for my first poll ever started the RVM, that whole thing. And I was getting trained by a guy named Sam Bart, uh, who helped me with the RVM campaign, hired a cold caller. Uh, I ordered like a thousand bandit signs, made a bandit sign hanger, and went and hung them bastards up. Like I already knew if I did enough marketing that something was gonna filter back in. The first lead I got was a house that I ended up making like every bit of three grand on a wholesale fee. And then I got a ranch that was over like 46 acres by Fort Worth and I made 85,000 pretty quick. My, it took me like, ah oh man, I guess eight days or something like that to get my first contract right away like 40 days to get my first deal, like
0: closed. That's bananas. I don't really know anybody who goes that fast, but most people don't transition from another business into real estate. Like they're usually going from a nine to five or they're going from nothing and then trying to get into it.
2: Yeah. So like I said, that's why I said I cheated because I, I understood marketing very, very well. Like if you drop 10, 20, 30 grand, 50 grand on marketing, you'll make it back pretty quick, especially with the size of deals, right? That I saw were happening in real estate. So I went all in. I didn't quit my construction company, though, until about two years ago. So I I did do real estate for, you know, three-ish years or something, four years before I I dropped out of construction.
0: Damn. And so what gave you the best return? Was it PPC? Was it the mail? I don't think anybody does RVMs anymore. I don't know. You guys might.
2: Dude, I got all the way down to uh, PPC and nothing else. So I ran about maybe, you
1: know, three grand to five grand a month. So he said he got down to doing just PPC to get these land deals. So he's only doing land, right? Bro, he's only doing land. Oh okay, uh, good. So we were what, just talking about you doing only only PPC to find land deals. What kind of marketing were you doing on these PPC ads?
2: What kind of marketing?
1: Yeah, like who how are you targeting them? Like what was your what was your sales pitch? If you got land you want to sell, like sell me your land.
2: Dude, it's the easiest thing in the world. It, it's and it's too funny. I'm going to write a book called a One Minute Millionaire. It's going to be one page long. It's going to be a dollar. All I did was take a generic website from carrot on carrot. They have a land specific yeah. page, right? So it's like a hundred bucks a month. I called Google, I like got on Google and 1-800 Google number, called Google and said, Hey, I need help with AdWords. I need to run some traffic. They built all my campaigns for me, turned it on, ran it to that carrot site. All I did was got on the carrot site and changed like the name and the phone number. And that was it. And I, I ran that for like four years or something. And uh, I would say my worst year in real estate was like two or 300 K or something. And that was just only with PPC and nothing else.
0: And Investor Carrot is amazing, though. For those of you guys who don't have it, I yeah. think it's the easiest like, plug and play into your business. Don't have to worry about it. It's okay if you have the same pictures as everybody else. Just change the title on it and adapt it to your company name. And so now how much of your business is coming from like your community compared to like your paid marketing?
2: Dude, all of it now. All of it. So we, we pretty much have almost our paid marketing all the way turned off, and I'll let Daniel confirm if everything's all the way switched off. But we have zero paid marketing going right now.
0: When did you turn it? When did you start to like see that you wanted to turn it off?
2: Oh, it's about six months ago. Well, the idea for HiveMind, man, the original vision for HiveMind was to just be a marketing engine. That's all it was—a community-based marketing engine. So we we trained the the community, and then they would bring serve up the leads. We would go out and raise the capital. That was the original vision, and that's where we are now. Exactly where we are now. The machine's cranking the leads we JV with our students we raise the capital for them and then now launching that private equity fund to feed these deals because now we have unlimited deal flow so you can't go out and raise 50 million or 100 million dollars if you don't have at least like 3 to 5x that in deal flow and right now we we literally have unlimited deal flow we could park 100 million and and then still have more deals coming in
0: how long has it taken for hivemind to get this big community wise
2: we're aiming february 4th will be 3 years uh, yeah so it, the- it's harder to, it's, it's harder to brand daniel martinez it's, it's harder to brand, you know, your, your personal name, but you, you just take a, a logo and a cool name like Hivemind and, and then it kind of, you have something to build around. So that was the idea is like we white labeled a GHL, right? We white labeled a CRM. The CRM is like, we wanted to have a mastermind, but nothing would stick you to a mastermind, right? People come and go. So if we had a CRM product, it's a little bit harder to pick up your CRM and take off somewhere else. So that was the idea is like, let's build a real sticky product and build the brand around it. And everybody's like, Oh, GHL sucks. And my CRM is better. But the CRM was never the product. The community is the product, and, and and here we
0: are now. And bro, you guys were doing JHL white labels way before that was like a thing. Because I remember asking Daniel, like, bro, what, did you build this yourself? He's like, no, I just white labeled it on Go High Level, and that, was, <laughs> and that was way before it was cool to white label your Go High Level account and sell it off like a Podio. Dude, we were. Uh, I am telling you, we like we had this dream mid December, and we launched February fourth.
2: Like, you know, this thing came to came to be in like six weeks after we thought of it. So, were
0: you gonna say something? Do you know?
1: Yeah, I was gonna say tell tell me about HiveMind. What tell tell everybody what HiveMind is. We talked about it being a community, about it being a CRM, but like break it down a little bit more for us.
2: Man, I've always been like a sci-fi guy, right? And uh, I'm really into to like being a futurist, right? So I like to imagine what a future would be like. And then when I was a kid, I was addicted to video games, and I remember the coolest games I could think of, like Contra, where you're like on this like different planet, and you're attacking by all these different aliens or something like that. And by the time you get to the center of the planet, it's all being run by one like super brain writer, one central intelligence. So that was a piece of like part of the branding is to say that. I believe that even human beings, right? we're all connected to each other, you know telepathically, like chemically, electronically, you know, just through like even like electrons, right? We're all sharing the same uh, pieces of energy. So I like to think that if there is a lot of people contributing to one cause, that we would have unlimited resources, right Un- unlimited knowledge. so that that's kind of that was the the thinking behind it is that if we if we can gather ten thousand people or more contributing to the same cause and we've had infinite knowledge infinite capital infinite resources infinite leads and that's where we're headed then that's it so every time somebody comes on board with their connections and their resources or the capital their knowledge, I feel like the hive mind gets smarter every single day and it gets richer every single day, becomes more wealthy. And, and we share that amongst the community the same way, like a, like any kind of hive. They say like a beehive and I'm like, no, like an alien nest, <laughs> right? So uh, yeah, everybody that's in the community and working together with us on this thing uh, gets a partake in what we're building and everybody brings something unique to the t- table. And then we just feed the machine with, with leads, knowledge and capital.
0: How did you guys grow the community? Man, on Clubhouse,
2: dude. So I mean, like, w- literally on Clubhouse, we we uh, we launched on February fourth, and we got we got in Clubhouse, and it was me and Daniel in the room by ourselves, like talking for like six hours, eight hours, twelve hours, with nobody in the room at all. And we would title it something cool, like Flip Land, Wholesale Land, you know, do a big land deal, million dollar land deal, hundred thousand on your first deal, just different titles. Live on Clubhouse every day, all day. And people before you know it, it's three people in the room, four people in the room, five people in the room, 40 people in the room, 70 people in the room. And then uh, yeah, we started growing our Facebook page and, and transferring our community to Facebook. And it kind of just took off from there organically.
0: Did you guys get out of Clubhouse before it died? Like, did you, Do you feel like yeah. you got all of it out of there that you wanted to?
2: Yeah, for sure. We, we've made some incredible connections in there. Uh, met a lot of good friends, got lots of resources. We learned a lot and we're still connected to a lot of those people now. So yeah, we definitely got our money's worth from Clubhouse. I love it, man. I I still love it. I think it was the coolest idea ever to be able to connect people that have never connected before in any other way.
0: But tell me about this. What are the splits you're giving the people who bring you deals? Like how much equity are they actually retaining? It really depends, man, on what they're bringing to the table, right? So, like uh, this guy
2: that brought us this two hundred and forty-three acre ranch, we're gonna give him an eighty thousand dollars wholesale fee after entitlements. If he brings a buyer, we're gonna give him like an additional four twenty. So we're trying to give him like half a meal but he'll make no less than like eighty to one hundred just for bringing the deal and doing nothing else. The guy didn't even know about land like thirty days before that. You know, so we try to get somebody, a new person, you know, fifty thousand, a hundred thousand, something to just wake them up and, and let them know that this is a real viable business.
0: What a damn. And so they essentially just wholesale it to you guys and then you guys take it from there. That's it. Yep. And if they have capital to contribute
2: or resources to raise capital, um, if they have any other knowledge in this business, like that they could help us complete the deals, then we can give them a, a lot bigger portion. But if they just straight bring us a deal and walk away, then we're still going to try to get them somewhere between like 50 and 150, something like that.
0: What's the, is the biggest one you've paid to a student 150?
1: Uh,
2: I would have to clear that with Daniel, man, but I would say it's probably about 100 something like that
1: wow. what uh what what type of land deals are you doing is this uh new construction houses is this commercial like what what type of land deals are you doing
2: again man it's just like path of least resistance the easiest thing you could possibly think of so you'll get like a 100 acre tract and then you'll hire a surveyor to, to draw you out like 10 10 acre tracks and then we just immediately sell those we didn't do anything we didn't put up fence we didn't cut the grass we didn't do nothing just hand out surveys and sell it and boom on to the next
1: and what type of clients are buying these ten acre tracks or whatever it is?
2: Retail end buyers, man. So uh, people that own construction companies, you know, they just want to have you know chickens and horses and all that kind of stuff. So one hundred percent retail end buyers. We sell. We, we don't have a buyers list at all for uh, like to, to sell our deals to. We go straight so to the buyers, them on the so market the or market. that and uh, the Facebook Marketplace, you know, that kind of stuff. Calling and texting agents. Uh, that's okay. how we, that's how we get the word out. Yeah, working with agents has been I- amazing man.
1: How are you finding the 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 deals? You said they're hundred acre land tracks, whatever it is. Are you guys using some sort of data source to narrow the focus and do the marketing? Or
2: it's, again, it's mostly coming from the community now. But I, I guess if we're training new people, yeah, we'll have them pull a list of like fifty and hundred acre tracks. You know, call those people, send mailers, that kind of stuff. I've never sent a mailer, by the way, but I know that's a good way to get land deals.
1: Yeah, I got a buddy, Joe McCall, who sends out postcards and they go you know the the person who gets the postcard calls a pre-recorded message and has an offer on there different stuff like that but you're would you say you're dealing with a different clientele cuz you're looking at much larger amount of land rather than just one acre of land or anything like that
2: no man i think they're all the same something that i would say is, is different is if you have a guy that has a Five thousand square foot lot or a three bedroom, two bath house—that's one kind of person. But sometimes somebody's that's selling you a three or five million dollar ranch, like they've probably owned it for forty years. So this guy's been a millionaire his whole life. So I feel like these sellers are a little bit more reserved. They're a little smarter. You know, uh, they're, yeah. they're not up for BS. You know, so it's just, I would say that's the only difference that I've seen is that they're more intelligent sellers.
0: How are you getting such a good deal on it? Then I feel like you're trying to flip houses in San Francisco, right? So. Yeah. So here's the thing.
2: It's like moving these properties. Honestly, look, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you a big secret right now. We're pulling these things off the MLS. So nobody can, nobody, there's nobody walking around ready to stroke a check for two or $3 million. It doesn't exist. So these properties can be listed for a year, two years, three years. So the value that we provide is we come in and we tell the seller, Hey, look, it's never going to sell for that price. Right. So we'll give you like 50 cents on the dollar. We'll close you out quick. And they're like, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to give it away. Okay, I can get you the full $3 million, but it's going to take me six months to a year. And if you're game, I'll get it done for you. That's it, man. Here, hold on to this 200000 or this 500000 while I go out and, and subdivide your land and sell it off for you. And then we just pay the seller off with their own property.
0: Once you get it entitled, essentially.
2: That's it, or whatever it is. Break it down into smaller tracks, you know, subdivide it, whatever that is. So we're, we're taking a really like let's say you're you're taking a 5 million dollar building breaking it down into 20 or 30 pieces and selling it in chunks
0: and are these all in let's say within an hour of a major metro
2: yeah i would say the hour's probably the drop off point i'd like to be even closer than that but i would say an hour is i'm pretty much done unless it's a really large tract like a, th- a couple thousand acres right and we're getting a really good deal on it uh, but yeah i would say closer to a major city the better so here's what i look at if if i would tell somebody like how to find a deal just get on google earth or get in your car drive to the edge of town where they're building neighborhoods and then where the neighborhoods run out you'll hit farms and ranches and that's your killing ground right there and so what would be a
0: major metro for you like is, don't, does it doesn't have to be would lubbock count
2: no i'm looking for like a million people or more it's probably like a gross generalization of what works well for us so in texas it's super easy Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, Austin, and San Antonio. And that's pretty much it. Those those are our, our anchors. And then we'll look at stuff, like I said, like in Waco, Tyler, um, those smaller markets, but those are not typical for us. Like we bought a hundred acres down by Corpus in a little town called Orange Grove. And it's taken me every bit of a year to sell like half of it, right? At like 8,000 wow. an acre. So if you're going to play out in the sticks, then you just got to be careful because it'll just take a lot longer to move. And then your buy price has to be really, really low because you're going to have to sell it at a fire sale price to move it. God
0: damn and how much huh? are you buying per acre? Sorry, go ahead, dude. I'll
2: tell you no, you're on, the, on the, I'll, I'll tell you what, what my biggest measuring stick is, right? So it, it, if you say how much you want to pay for an acre, that's all over the place. But I'll tell you what I focus on is a 10-acre exit, right? So as long as somebody sends me a deal for 40 acres or 400 acres, I want to know what the 10-acre tracks are going for, and that has to be a reasonable price. So if you send me a deal and I have to sell my 10-acre tracks at, at $75,000 an acre, Nobody's going to come and pay 750 for a 10 acre track, right? Unless you're like pretty close to central Austin or, you know, something Bernie by San Antonio, like these hot areas, McKinney by Dallas. Like, so that's all I think about is what is my 10 acre exit? So before somebody sends us a deal, you know, um, that's the first thing I'm going to check for. I'm willing to pay whatever I can, I have to pay as long as there's room for me to, to sell a 10 acre lot at a fair price. So I would like to, I would like to exit my 10 acre tracks, like no more than like 350, you know, 299, once you start having to sell half million dollar 10 acre tracks, the, the buyers just get more scarce. And again, it'll
0: move. It just takes a lot longer. Were you going to say something,
1: dude? Yeah, I was going to add a, uh, so there's, there's another guy that I know here. I met in San Diego and he was telling me how his family in a particular state was going to the outskirts of town and was buying up all the land, all the farmland outside of that. And as the growth continued, they would entitle it and sell it to developers to develop houses, whatever it is they wanted to do, but they were just buying the land and selling it. And, you know, they had built up tens of millions of dollars worth of, of money from, from doing that. So it sounds like a similar type of strategy. How much are you working with the city to, you know, go through the planning part of that and like picking out which land to target? Are, are you running up against any issues with the city or are you working with them? Is that part of your plan at all?
2: So this this is another nugget right here, man. And this is Texas wide. I think there's about 18 states that do that. Are uh, that this this model follows? But as long as you sell tracks that are above 10.01 acres, nobody can tell you you can't do it. The city, the county, nobody can tell you that you can't make that happen. So as long as you're cutting up big big large tracts of land, there's no barrier to entry. There's no red tape. You just hire the surveyor, have them drop 10 acre tracks and resell them suckers. Like sometimes we're sold out before we have to close. Bro, that's Mm. wild. Yep.
1: Yep. So when you say no one can tell you you can't, does that mean no one can tell you you can't sell the 10 acres or no one can tell you what you can do on the 10 acres?
2: Yeah, you don't have to get permission from anybody as long as your tracks are above 10.01 acres. You don't have to do anything to the land. You don't have to develop it. No electrical poles. No water. No, no no nothing. You just get a survey, turn around, and just sell your surveys. Like I said, we sometimes we don't even see the properties. We don't cut the grass. We don't do nothing.
0: Well, that's that's insane. How many of these people are carrying a note over a long period of time? Because I know that was another like land strategy for a bunch of.
2: Oh, uh, you get a mix, man. Like I had a guy refuse to take the cash. He says I only want payments, and uh, you know. So I've been giving him. Uh, his monthly payments for a long time no interest right now we what we try to do is we try to set it up uh, for a very short-term balloon like a two-year balloon something like that because we intend to pay these sellers off really quickly like we did 108 acres which is our, that was our first big subdivide we got it for like 1 million for 108 acres and uh we had a two-year balloon on it and we paid off that seller in nine months by selling his own land right uh, so we, we moved pretty quick like i said we have a pretty good thorough understanding of, of marketing online marketing so We can sell these properties pretty fast for the most part. If you are going to get the city involved, like for entitlements, then, you know, right now we're looking at, we have a tract that we got for four and a half million for 15 acres. It's right on 1604, you know, outer loop of San Antonio. And we are doing the entitlement process on that drainage study, you know, phase one, all that kind of stuff. And then we have commercial buyers that are interested in it right? So we have Lowe's taking a look at it and some other commercial entities that, that are looking at buying chunks from us. So we won't br- break ground on that one. We're just going to just get it ready for it to break ground, get it entitled, you know, and, and then start shopping that out to corporate buyers. Uh, the 243 acres, we are involved with the, the county, the Texas Department of Transportation, the, the electrical company, the water company, right? You got to get like utility service agreements before you can get permission to break ground. So somebody sends us a land deal and they say, "Hey, I've got this 50 acres, and the seller wants 75,000 an acre because you could make a neighborhood here, and the houses are going for a lot of money." That never works out because you don't know what the city's going to say or the county's going to say. Some areas don't have water, right? So just just because of what could happen on that land, you can't really sell that dream. Like you have to, if you're going to force appreciation on the property, you really do need to take it through the entitlement process. You need to get your service agreements from the utility companies that kind of stuff. So that's a whole different play. That's outside of what we normally do. We're going to start doing a lot more of it though. You know, for this reason, right? This, this deal, we picked it up for 2 million. We were just going to sell all 10 acre tracks. And I think we were going to clear like 2 million or one nine or something. And then taking it through the entitlement process. Like I said, we're looking at selling it by marking the price up like two and a half million dollars. And then if it doesn't sell at that point, we're going to go ahead and start breaking ground. Like I got equipment coming to start clearing roads right now. So entitled or not, I'm going to start roughing in roads and clearing out roads. And then total sales, we're looking at if we break ground, throw in the road, throw in the water line and the electrical, then total sales are going towards 18 million. Right. So you know, we're looking at longer term plays and short term plays. So we're not shifting our business model, but we're just expanding on what we're already doing. And if it makes sense for us to you know, spend a couple million on infrastructure, if it's going to raise the profit 10 plus million, then we're going to stick with that.
0: Real quick. Shout out Pat Hilton. If you don't like this show, then you don't like greatness. People that hate deal champs hate themselves. They generally root for the emperor in Star Wars instead of rooting for the freedom of the galaxy.
2: (laughs) I like that. I like Pat Hilton, man. He's cool. I've seen him play and seeing it. He's a wild man. He's cool, dude.
0: Bro, what is the average like entry fee for one of these? Like, what would the cost be? Do I got to go? Because I know for a storage deal, I'll be like, if I'm evaluating it, I'm all in two to five k minimum.
2: Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm buying a $600,000 ranch right now with 5K down, 0% interest. This $2 million ranch we got, we put down uh, 460. I, that one I did in Grandview, I put down 10,000, made 85,000. We have one right now, we're, we're negotiating 122 acres. We're, we're talking about 2,500 bucks worth of earnest money while we do the, the entitlements on it. So to get into a man, you can get into them with zero, two grand, five grand, 10 grand. It just all depends on what you negotiate and then what the seller's you know mood is and what they're thinking on their end
0: what about like entitlements how much are entitlements and let's say i need inspections done
2: a real small neighborhood like maybe 10 20 acres you could spend like 100 grand you know 50 acres mobile home park you might spend like 250 to 350 estimate i got for this 243 acre subdivision we're probably going to be in for like 250 worth of engineering
0: and at the beginning were you guys just coming up with the cash to do that or were you raising money
2: dude no we self-funded everything bro for all these years and uh, it was a mistake man big mistake all right because if you're limiting how fast you can grow based on the amount of money that you're turning yourself and that you have in your own account that's probably the biggest seasoned rookie mistake that you can make in real estate uh i don't know if you know who corey thompson is but he's mentored me since day one love the dude he's spoken at every hive mind event we have our annual events and um he sent me a link from grant cardone as an audio of youtube and the first thing in the morning no context he didn't say anything at all and i don't even really like grant cardone i think he's corny um but he of course he knows marketing and business and corey loves the guy so he sends me this link and uh Garrett cardone how to get super Rich. So I listened to the whole audio immediately, didn't ask any questions, about an hour long. And if I could condense that whole book into one sentence, uh, he says, pretty much, you don't get rich by spending your own money and investing your own money, you get rich by investing other people's money. And then bam, complete mindset shift from there forward. And then now, yeah, so now we're aiming to raise a $100 million fund. We received our first M from an investor that's worth every bit of about 500 M's. And this is just his experiment to see if our, our methods work. Um, he sent us, you know, 400 grand. We sent him back, uh, like 580 K like in three weeks. So that got him believing in us. Um, so we're having more and more people that are starting to take notice of what we're doing and the kind of returns that we're getting. So it just makes sense for us now to start raising the capital, because like I said, we have the deal flow side nailed. It's not, if you're doing apartments or commercial or storage, you'd be lucky if you can find, uh, you know, one good deal a month. Right. And with land, I mean, we can find hundred good deals a month. No problem. And there's more coming.
0: Bro, it, it's true because like storage wise if you buy if you bought 10 storage facilities in a year you're a fucking animal like you are
2: you're <laughs> a the big organization
0: yeah a that big is, organization that is a massive organization and the amount of overhead and due diligence and everything else that, that would take bro where are you finding your investors like where am i gonna go to approach a dude with 500 million dollars because i would love to go give him 30 percent returns on his money if i have access to that much cash
2: It's, it's doing smaller deals with a lot of people. And that was, that was a hive mind's business model. So you meet one guy and you say, Hey, can you throw in 50 or a hundred? He says, yeah, I'm good for 50 or a hundred. You give them back excellent returns in a faster amount of time than you had originally anticipated. And, and also they did. And then they'll introduce you to their friends and they'll introduce you to their friends. And then you'll start to see that there's a money ladder. Like there's usually one big guy right behind everybody that everybody kind of looks up to. So you do one or two or three small deals with this group and they're like, hey, just FYI, we have a, a lot bigger wallet behind us. If, if you guys can find more of these types of deals and then they'll start to make those introductions for you. Just doing a lot of good, consistent deals and, and quick turnaround deals. So if you're doing entitlement plays or, or ground up stuff and you're completing a deal every two or three years, I think you'll struggle to raise capital. But if you can do a, a lot of smaller, quick deals, uh, then I think that that leads to a lot more relationships faster in the money world.
0: What is your seat? team look like? Sorry, go ahead. Dude.
1: No, you're fine. I I want to find out about uh your buy box. So you you mentioned you're ideally looking for no less than 10 plus acres. Is that correct?
2: Uh I mean right now we bought 5 acres right south of San Antonio we're cutting it into 14 right. lots and total sales on there might be like 300 or 350 profit on a 5 acre lot. So I would say just send everything, you know, anything could be a massive deal. Anything could be a massive deal. It just really depends on what it is and where it is.
1: Okay. And you're, so you're focused only in Texas and you're saying there's more land deals available. Do you think it's just because Texas is so big and the growth is so, so, so high there as to why there's so much opportunity?
2: Exactly. you probably have like the most land available, right. Of any other state in the country uh less red tape, right? Less bureaucratic like, like not like California yeah. or New York or something. So very entrepreneurial friendly. And then you yeah, have the explosive, explosive growth and there's no sign of us stopping. And I think San Antonio has like the highest GDP in the country right now. So you know just anything in Texas is killing.
1: And then did you have like a bread and butter type of like use case for that land or is it every every single land deal is gonna be a different end buyer? a different uh, type of asset that's gonna go on it and you're having to kind of learn and as you go or you have like a template that you kind of follow?
2: Dude, you just go to the edge of town, like I said, right past the, the neighborhoods that are going up, agricultural unrestricted land um, at a fair price and it's the same end buyer every time. They're construction company owners, they're blue collar guys, man, zero investors. Nobody's gonna throw up apartments. Nobody's gonna throw up a housing development, nothing. It's all just blue collar workers that wanna have chickens and goats and that's it and shoot guns. Lots of shooting guns,
0: <laughs> but like you're not selling this to like Dr. Horton though. Never, like,
1: never like, no,
2: no, no developer, no developer buyers, never. no no investor buyers, nobody. This is all blue collar end buyers, man.
1: And there are the a lot of them buyers paying too. cash for them, or are they financing them, or what are they doing?
2: Most all pay cash, and and we offer seller financing as well. But these guys are cash heavy, man. Uh, somebody just bought eight, nine, like eight and a half acres from us for. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess, but it's somewhere like between three and four hundred thousand last month. Just one guy, him and his dad.
0: What well, that's nuts.
2: Cash, I- dude. Close in fourteen days, dude. I mean, quick close.
0: Because <laughs> my and biggest how- thing, like, we gotta find developers to sell these things,
2: right? We don't. We have zero corporate buyers. Like I said, we don't have any buyers list. Zero. Zero. It's funny when I hear people argue about how big their buyers list is. We have zero buyers list. We just, we just talk to the general public. We talk to agents and, and we, we sell direct to end buyers. So you sell to an investor, right? Me and Daniel laugh about this. You sell to an investor and you're giving yourself two pay cuts, right? So you're giving yourself a pay cut from yourself to the investor, right? Cause they pay you a fee. And then the investor turns around and forces appreciation and pays themselves. So you're losing twice when you have a buyer's list and us, we just sell to the direct retail end buyers. A lot of times we sell above comps. So agents will reach out to us or buyers will reach out to us and say, Hey, you're never going to sell that for that much. Nothing's ever sold for that in that area. And then we laugh, hang up on them and then we immediately sell it for the price that we were asking for. So we're always creating new comps everywhere that we go. Um, let's say we have a, a, a track that's a hundred thousand dollars and somebody wants to sell their finance. We sell it to them at like a 30 to 35% markup. So we're selling far beyond comps, way, way beyond comps, like 30 to 40% beyond comps, you know, almost every single time. So, it's, it's a it's a better end it's a better game when you're selling direct to the end buyers. Is it because
1: right you're screen. seller financing, you said?
2: Yeah, if we sell our finance, our price goes way up. Way, way up, like thirty to thirty-five percent on the low side.
0: What type of note are you carrying? Like what are you making them bring to the table? Ten percent down, no
2: less. We're aiming for twenty percent now with the market that shifted this year. We were doing ten percent, now we're at eleven, nine, nine. And we'll do thirty years, no balloon.
0: Do you need an RMLO to underwrite that or no?
2: Technically, you don't, right? Because it's not exactly homestead. It's it's land. So you know, there's some gray area there. But we just RMLO everybody. We just don't want to have any question when we have a billion dollar fund running. We don't want anybody to be able to come back and, and comb out our books and say, "Hey, you guys, you know, you, you you did bad in 2024." And so now the goal with the fund is a billy. We just we called it a hundred million just to have a, a, a nice round number. But man, I, I've looked at subdivisions. I look, I've looked at financials on on hundred acre subdivisions, like for 150, 160 million. So I think a billy is a small number, right? Cause it's just a handful of subdivisions, but we, I mean, we just, we just toy with big numbers just cause it's a cool space to be in. And it's fun to talk about. And it sounds silly on the podcast. <laughs> I, don't,
0: I don't know, bro. If you can keep ripping off as many, if your deal flow is the same and you have all the money, there's like nothing else holding you back. Cause I'd say the number one hardest part with most people is good deal flow. When you get into bigger deals, like there's not lots of good deals you can go into and buy. Or else everybody, I mean, fuck, bro. Like I could not find that many storage deals. For sure, couldn't find that many multifamily deals. Even dudes buying businesses can't find that many good deals. Besides, probably a dude named Kyle to go raise a hundred million and just pop it out and burn through it
2: yeah and that's what's that's why we fell in love with land man i I saw the vision it's like if you're dealing with physical structures right eventually they're going to run out or you'll get you'll reach saturation in the market and it hurts your rentals and, and it hurts your whole portfolio but with us like i mean there's just unlimited land like i said and heading in every single direction around every major texas city so if you just get in your car and drive there's just more inventory underneath your tires forever you just never run out so that's why we, we love this space, man. You know, I have a friend that him and his dad list ranches for you know, hundreds of millions, $100 million ranch, $200 million ranch. So I don't think a bee is a lot of money in, in the land world. What
0: does your team look like?
2: Man, this is the coolest part about everything, man. This is what I, I don't, I'm not really like a spreadsheets guy. We don't set quarterly goals and annual goals, all that's crap. What, what fascinates me, man, is is the, the the way that the people are coming into the machine, right? So they take a look at what we're doing. They find out about us, you know, through some channel. We have like 500 pieces of content going out a week automated, right? To, the, to the, the system. But people show up and they just work, man. It's funny. So we have... I know Daniel has a handful of employees of VAs. I don't even know how many he has back there. But people that work on graphics full-time, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, I would say we have like five, or five to seven VAs or so. And then on my side, I have three full-time employees that work 40 hours a week. And, and, and then of course a lot more because I hit them up at nights and weekends and all that kind of stuff. And then the rest is just the machine. We put everybody on a spreadsheet that contributes to the machine, like at some aspect, like buying, selling the ranches, running numbers, dispo everything. There's about 30 of us right now that are like, I would consider an internal team, but people aren't on payroll, right? Everybody's all commission-based. So it's like, as time goes by, the machine's getting bigger and bigger by people that are voluntarily contributing. Like, you know, they don't even know if they're getting paid or not. They're just contributing to the machine to see it grow because they believe in it. And uh, it's amazing, man. It's, it's, it's really amazing to watch what's happening.
0: Uh, so what are your full-time employees doing? Like the three people, what are they doing?
2: <sighs> One, she just manages my CRM. Like I literally don't ever log into my CRM, not once, ever so she she handles all of it and if anything's important where she needs me she'll just send me a screenshot and say hey how do i respond to this what do i tell this person so she's doing that and then one of them is my nephew and he does a little bit of everything like he he runs he, he's working on a lead sheet so i have a friend that's running leads from a call center and he's just sending them to, to that team so it's my nephew that's running that so he's running comps making offers you know, doing all that kind of stuff to just service that one campaign and then the other one's my sister she's my full-time admin so she's my stunt double like she's on all my bank accounts she's on everything she's a signer for me anything and everything that i would need to do like if i got to physically get in the truck and go drive somewhere to drop something off or pick something up that's her so that's my personal team that's around me and then the rest like i said they're like uh, sales people that go out and actually show the properties get contracts send it over to title um, all, all that stuff
0: how long did it take you to get close enough with your sister to trust her that much?
2: Man, I'll tell you from day one, she was working corporate at Burlington Coat Factory and Ross. And then she got kind of fed up with that life after like 14 years in management. And then she went to like some kind of dental program and got a certification like in a year. And she came to my place and, and we were just talking. She's like, man, it's disgusting. I don't want to do it and here i am like buried to my neck in paperwork i'd get up like at four or five in the morning start contracts go out work all day come home finish contracts go to bed like at midnight or one and then start the day over so i had saved up a significant amount of cash and i was was doing everything myself so i was like i just need you to come on board i was like i don't even know how much i could pay you so we never agreed on an hourly we never agreed on a salary nothing like i just need you to work and your life will go good (laughs) and so she's ever since she started man like sometimes like i said there, there sometimes we didn't have enough cash to pay her sometimes and she just kept on working and working so I just connected her to everything like here, just <laughs> whatever you need. There it is. So I would say from the very beginning, really, we just kind of decided, like, hey, let's do this together. And we built it up to, from from a construction company now to a real estate company.
0: Damn. For the people who are getting paid commission, are they just getting paid out of escrow? Like you're just telling the escrow company, like, hey, pay this guy. So that way it doesn't even have to do 1099s or anything like that.
2: It's a mix of everything, man. Honestly, it's a mix of everything. Yeah. So some people we personally pay, like some, like again, same thing. Maybe somebody's not on the paperwork, but yeah, a lot of times their check would just come from title, that kind of stuff.
0: Talk about some of your big losses that we were talking about beforehand.
2: I would say the biggest loss is probably that 350k dude Otis, right? Just, just dumb. We he he. I didn't even know who he was. I met him at a, a real estate meetup, and then we just became Facebook friends. And he he was doing big land. I was doing big land. And he flew, he's like, calls me, he's in Dallas. He's like, hey, I'm gonna come down and see you. He comes down, sees me, sells me on this big dream about what he can bring to the table if we really started to scale this land game. So I just took it for granted, like, it's cool. We're doing the deal, everything's moving along. He funds the deal and closes it with the lender. And then he didn't add us to the closing docs, but he's like, don't worry, I'm gonna send you guys 350,000, all good. And uh, yeah, now we're suing the dude for the money. So that was, that was a big loss right there, that 350. I sent 120,000 non-refundable for a deal, maybe like in September or something on some lots down south of san antonio and uh i ended up closing a day late a day late and the guy's trying to keep one hundred twenty thousand. not a fun oh so so now i'm suing for that <laughs> like i said I, we threw in
1: probably you guys 50, end up closing
2: on it too i closed on it i closed that, that that day the day a day late and he said he's not he's not going to close so there's a lawsuit uh. Yeah, And then, um, like I said, we threw down like 25K and 50K on two big ranches this year that we ended up not pursuing after doing more due diligence on them. But we offer non-refundable, man. We offer non-refundable cash all the time. And I, I'm still going to continue to use that same business model because the upside is so tremendous. But, yeah, I want to say we, we dropped like 75K in earnest money this year that, on deals that we didn't pursue at all. So Mm. just losses like that, man. So it's nothing tremendous, right? Like where you have to turn in $200 million worth of apartment complexes, but those little 10, 20, 30 K hits, they still hurt along the way as you're trying to grow business.
0: Uh, So in the due diligence phase, what went wrong that you backed out on that deal?
2: It's just certain things, man. Like if you're down a certain type of road and size of road, and that affects the density of that land. So if you say, Hey, we're going to do five acre tracks or two and a half acre lots, and then you can't get that much traffic down that road or, you know, just little things like that. There's not as much water availability as you thought there was going to be, You know, little things like that that would hit it. One that we did in uh, Fredericksburg, Texas, there there was a neighborhood right next to us and across the street, and they weren't going to give us any water at all, not from the city. And so we said, that's cool, we'll just do groundwater, no groundwater. So that deal was a bust. Right? And that's something that we probably could have took a closer look at before offering non-refundable earnest money. But we're just really aggressive when we buy and we see something that looks like it's going to work. We just go all in. And I think that's why the sellers go with us. You know, I got three other offers and I'm talking to 10 people and we're like, well, is that other guy going to send you $50,000 the day you sign the contract? Of course not. They got to wait till all this other crap. Like, well, we're going to send you 50 grand the day you sign the contract. And they're just like, okay, well, I'm going to go with you guys. You guys are dead serious, right? So we're going to continue to still operate that way, man. But I guess, you know, you just got to kind of write in some of those losses like that.
0: Okay. And just to be clear, when you say you're sending it to them, you're sending it to escrow, right? Or you're like, no, like here's a straight, big dick. Straight,
2: straight to their roll. bank account, bro. What?
0: Yeah. Bro. That's
2: what? How get, that's how we bro. get.
1: Bro,
0: dude. I, I mean that's that'll
1: like, get someone more excited for yeah, sure. Bro, that's, I'm selling the fucking piece of property now. <laughs> that's what, how, we what, get, you like that's how we get that's how we get deals. Group? Is it just part of the contract or is there like a separate agreement for it? Or what do you do before you do no, it?
0: It'll, it'll
2: come right off the sell price. So if it's a million dollars, Hey, I'm going to send you 50,000 tomorrow balance to be paid at closing nine fifty. We do it all the time, bro. That's how we knock wholesalers off the table. They're like, I got two other offers that are better than yours. Like for one, you don't know if that guy's going to close. You don't know if it's a real offer, but I'll send you 25 grand tomorrow with my signed contract straight to your bank account. Let's do it. Anthony. <laughs> it's just a dirty way to just get deals, man. It really beats out the competition. Jesus, Jesus Christ
1: yeah that's 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 different that's different for sure
2: we've always operated like that man and i I learned it from the roofing business from construction right because if i'm going to try to win a roof or i'm going to make 100 grand or 200 grand well it's a race to get there right storm happens hail falls it's a commercial building roof's leaking i show up with my guys and $10,000, $20,000 $10,000, $20,000 worth of roofing material. then we get that roof to stop leaking in the next hour or two done. And now you got that job. So you go meet the insurance company, you extract the capital, but I've got 10, 20, 30 grand into that property before I ever, you know, lift a finger on it. But now that seller, that, that property owner's committed to you, right? They're like, Hey, I got to give this guy the job. It came out and saved my ass. So same, same mindset with land. It's like, Hey, if, if you're bidding against me on a ranch, I'm going to make my offer, offer look a lot more attractive because I'm willing to, to, you know, to, to take that big risk to get the deal,
0: bro, that's nuts. So, yeah. are you guys running into more competition now from wholesalers and stuff?
2: Nope, not at all, man. And again, for that that very reason, like I got three offers right now sitting on top of my table. Does any of those three offers are probably fake offers? Just FYI, we teach them about wholesaling too. They're probably the fake offers, um, and you don't know if they're going to close or not. So you're, you know, you're more than welcome to go with those if you have those warm and fuzzies with that person. But uh, do you, any of those contracts happen to say that they're going to send you fifty thousand dollars the day you sign the contract? Just curious. Um, well, no, none of them say that. Then they're not real contracts, sir. Place them into the garbage can. Yeah.
0: <laughs> bro, that's pretty that, wild. That's pretty wild. I, yeah. I don't know. I love putting your money where your mouth is, but your upside on these are huge, though. Yeah, like there's
2: you, no little deal. Yeah, if we can't make like a hundred, we're not even gonna look at it. We typically don't go after stuff where we're gonna make you know ten or twenty grand or something. It just uh, for that reason, you know, if you lose ten grand or something didn't work out, and now you got to lower your your you know your, your profit or something weird comes out on the land, then uh, okay. it's just not worth pursuing anymore, right?
0: Even Edgar Trios says Anthony a savage sending fifty k like that. Uh (laughs) we'll
2: do it again dude we'll do we'll do it again over and over again
0: it's just our business model it's
2: like and yeah like you said there's a there's enough in there to to make something happen like we'll we'll make 1.1 on two deals so if we lose earnest money of 25 to 50 grand two or three times four times it, it doesn't even affect your your bottom line at the end of the year
1: that's fair you so you said you you're having a lot of deal flow with land Tell me about what that's like. Like, how much deal flow is there? How much deal analysis are you doing? What kind of bandwidth does that take? Like, what's that whole process look like for you?
2: Uh, me, uh, I guess I'll under. Like, I'm not exactly underwriting the deals. All I'll do is I'll ask for a link. It's a company called Landglide, and uh, it's like a maps app. So I'll just Heard open it up. Yeah, yeah, I can see the shape of the parcel. I can see the topography. I can check flood zone. I'll measure like distance to the next major city to the next highway. I can, I can get the size and shape of the lot all in like five minutes or so. And then I'll just ask the wholesaler, Hey, what what are they trying to sell it for? And if I don't know if it's a good deal or not, if I'm not familiar with the area, I'll ask them to go find comps, find me some 10 acre comps and send it back. So I'm doing like new, no due, no due diligence up front, maybe like two to five minutes per deal. Um, and then how, how many deals are we getting? I mean, we might get 10 or 20 in a day, man. And, uh, if it gets that overwhelming, then I'll just kick it back to my team so I have quite a few realtors on the team they'll run comps uh, Daniel's pretty good at running numbers and he I think he enjoys it a little bit he's he's a numbers guy um, but yeah i don't I don't invest too much time or energy into running comps at all I'll just when some by the time somebody sends me something they have a pretty good idea that's in our buy box and um also like creative right so we're looking to find stuff like I'll prioritize a deal if we're gonna get in with ten percent down or five percent down or twenty percent down you know, before a cash deal. So somebody says, Hey, this guy wants 5 million for this ranch and the price looks amazing. I'm less interested in that deal because I know with those 5 million, Mm -hmm. I could put down one to 500,000 and buy 20 ranches with that same 5 million. So that's the game.
0: So you're just looking at a yield on the capital, essentially.
2: That's it, man. So we're going to raise this fund, right? We'll raise a hundred million dollars. The first 10 right now that's coming in, we're not trying to spend 10 on a ranch right? Uh, I looked, I was, I was, I was talking to a guy about one yesterday. That's a uh, 7 million and I offered them 20% down and that's it. So I'm, or I'm not buying it at all. all. Right. So I'll go look at that one tomorrow, uh, Thursday. Sorry. So these are, these are the types of things that we're looking for is like, no matter how much of a great deal it is, I want to get my, I want my entry to be as little as possible, somewhere between five and 10%, five grand down, 10 grand down, like minimum that we can get in. So that way that 10 Ms goes into, like I said, maybe 20 or 30 ranches, as opposed to just dropping 10 into one or two properties, sends me, sends me a commercial property for 2 million bucks, like less interested. Like what is the seller gonna offer me to take on the burden of his property? I know he can't sell it to anybody else. What's my reward for going in here? And maybe that's zero out of pocket. Maybe that's a seller holding the land while I pay for the entitlements or do some development uh, to force appreciation on the property. And then we'll pay him off after we sell the property, as opposed to us just coming in heavy with cash. And just Even when we have $100 million, we're still not gonna buy that way. It's never been our business model.
1: I like it though.
0: Makes sense. Do you know, you got any more sure. questions, bro?
1: I'm just intrigued. I guess I'm trying to remember, go back to the beginning. Did you say you were doing wholesaling real estate and all that stuff before, or you were in construction you heard about wholesaling and then you got into the whole landing? So have you ever done houses?
2: I've, uh, I've remodeled houses as a construction worker. When I was a kid with my dad working with my dad's remodeling company, we flipped houses. But for myself, I, I would say we've probably wholesaled and flipped like less than 10 houses in, in five or six years. So it's
1: always been land pretty much.
2: That's it, man. Like I said, I, I got a big land win early. That was kind of where my interest was anyway uh, because I was looking to buy land. And then I just saw the, the types of, of money people were making. So I I've, I've flipped houses before literally in my career So I know that after three to six months, you make a whole 40 or 50 grand, right, on a flip. But, you know, in land, I'm seeing people turning 50 grand, 100 grand, several hundred thousand just for signing a handful of documents. I was like, okay, this is a no-brainer. If I can make the same amount of money or more without lifting a finger in the construction world, then I'm game, right? Because I've been in construction my whole life. I'm a licensed general contractor, home builder, never built a home. but. I'm li- I've been licensed forever. So just walking into like Lowe's and Home Depot it makes me sick. Like this just smells terrifying man. <laughs> man, I'm just done
1: with it, bro. I'm just I'm done with that part of my life. Well, what's the uh what's the competition like that you go up against? Is it like a lot of people, or is there just very little competition? Because there's
2: there's zero competition, bro. We're pulling these deals off the MLS. This deal we just bought, this this freaking two million dollar ranch it was on MLS for like six months. There's no competition. And then there's less competition with capital, right? You might run across some wholesalers, but they're not well-capitalized wholesalers. So really easy to just sweep them off the table, knock those players off the table.
1: What would you say the learning curve is for somebody who's like, oh man, I'm wanting to get started or maybe someone who's done some deals, uh, right? Like most of our listeners are probably going to be in the single family type space. Uh, What's the learning curve like? Is there a big learning curve? Is it super simple easy to understand paper napkin type knowledge or Dude, what would you again,
2: say? like new people are making 50 grand 80 grand right And on the wholesale sell feed selling sell the deal to us and then if they're working with us there is no learning curve like get on the mls call a bunch of agents and get me on the phone with them and that's it then there's nothing to learn and then they can learn as they go through a deal and you can get a deal tomorrow what would stop you from getting the deal tomorrow
1: yeah What's the uh what's the typical average timeline to kind of turn around on your typical type of deal? If you find it, you get it under contract, what's the process from getting it under contract to turning it into money in the bank? What's that typically look like?
2: 3 to 6 months on a subdivide.
1: Okay. And that's primarily cuz you're working with the city, you're having to get it entitled or getting it subdivided like you said, doing something to basically prepare it to be able to be sold.
2: We can yeah, that's right. it and for the most part it's just surveys alright so uh, like I said I mean you can get surveys back in six weeks eight weeks and like I said sometimes we're sold out before the surveys come back
1: yeah so, so you're you probably marketing work. it beforehand
2: but as soon as we go under contract I'm starting marketing and my contract says I have the right to market it and show buyers yeah mm-hmm.
1: makes sense you got I'm me you got my wheels spinning over here
2: Bro, I'm sold <laughs> I'm <laughs> they're cool deals, man. Like I, 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 we're, we're aiming to buy a thousand acres this year, but I'm sure, I'm sure we'll far surpass that based on what we already have offers out on and that kind of stuff. Um, it's just, it's a cool unlimited space to be in completely unsaturated. People are afraid of it. Sellers don't know how to sell the property. Agents don't know how to sell the property. Brokers don't know how to sell the property. Ranch brokers don't know how to sell these properties. So we just come in with specialized knowledge and guns blazing. It's just, it's such an easy niche to move in and grow
0: in.
1: Got me all excited over
0: here. I'm sold. <laughs> I'm sold. I'm ready to send people 100k EMDs for no reason. I'm ready. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, when you find those deals, let us know. We'll partner with you. We'll send. We'll send the cash.
1: There we go. Sold uh, again. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's like it's. It, we don't have enough time to just sit on the phone and just bang phones all day. So if somebody brings us the deal, yeah, and, and if it's a good deal, we'll, we'll put up the earnest money. We'll put up everything. We we'll put up the engineering money.
1: Whatever. So it takes, I think you already whatever. said it. But someone who's listening to this and just got like the biggest fire behind their butts and they're like wanting to take action. I think you already said it. But what is what is something that somebody could could do tomorrow to potentially put themselves in front of a deal <coughs> to then present to you so that you could evaluate it and tell them whether it's a deal or no deal?
2: I would download the Land app link. That helps a lot. Um, and then just go to like Zillow, Google, anything. What we do is you picture like a donut, right? So let's say uh, bear County, San Antonio, and then you have all the counties that are surrounding it, right? Crop out the middle County where everybody's killing each other to get deals. So just completely kick, take out bear County, get the counties that are around it all around it, and then just grab Zillow, Google, anything and say land for sale in X County and can use filters, 10 acre tracks, 20 acre tracks. You can go days on market. So start like at stuff that's been listed for a year and better and just start calling those agents and say, hey, we're interested in your property. And then uh, see what they're up to. Say, what does your seller think about the price? Why do you think it hasn't sold? Tell me what's good about this property and what's bad. Would your seller consider taking 10 or 20% down and let us pay off in a year or two? Those types of basic questions. They say, yep, price looks good. Seller's down to work with you guys for a year or two. And that's it. So we have a new term we coined. We're not looking for motivated sellers because none of these sellers are motivated. They're rich. They've been rich forever. We're looking for motivated agents. So we're looking for agents that are just sick of this listing already and they've had it forever. And once you get the That's agent on your side, it's a done deal. That's it, man. Yeah, just go just go to just go to the go to Google, go to go to Zillow or something and find some raw land and call those people. They're already listed, they're already advertising saying they need help. And nobody's gonna come buy them. Nobody's gonna come save them. If you talk to them today, it's still gonna be listed in six months or in a year.
1: Yeah. So that being said, it's it's going to be listed still in six months to a year. No one's coming to save them. What is it about that property you're making unique? You're just repackaging it in a better package that's making it feasible for some other buyers to then come buy it? Is that it?
2: That's it. So, again, think about <clears throat> what percentage of the U.S. population uh, can stroke a check for 3 to $5 million. Would you guess?
1: Yeah. I mean, zero, less than zero, 1% zero, of 1%. Zero. Yeah.
2: Right. So, but how many of the population out there can can stroke a check or get a loan for 199 or 249 to buy a wrench? Anything you know, it goes up tremendously, right? Maybe maybe 50 percent or something. Yeah. Um, so now your buyer's pool is infinite, right? Yep. So that's all we're doing, yeah. Just buying, like I said, you go out and buy a 20 million dollar shopping center and then just cut it up into 100 pieces and then resell it, right? So it's, that's all we're doing is just buying a very large asset or at least getting control of it through an option or earnest money, something, and then taking it and chopping it up and repurposing it and, and taking it down into a smaller bite-sized pieces.
1: Question for you. I might have missed it, but does Anthony only buy in Texas, any other states?
2: Man, I mean, we've bought in, in uh, Arizona and Florida. Uh, you know, We're looking in other markets, but if somebody really wants to get their first deal and learn this business, just go straight to Texas. This is wall- where all of our investors are. We know that for damn sure the land's going to sell quickly and it's high in demand and so it takes out a lot of the guesswork so yeah. if you're not in land already there's no point for you to start looking in you know arkansas when you can just send us some in our own backyard and I said usually i can tell you what the comps are without even looking them up so if somebody sends me some land west of houston or you know southeast austin like i already know what the comps are without even looking at it so yeah if, yeah, if they want to learn this game just play what we're already playing we already have the capital we already have the resources the land's blowing up; it's super high in demand. So, why would you want to guess where a new what new markets would respond to these this type of deals?
1: Now, I know Texas is mostly flat, right? But there are some hills here and there, especially like West Austin and different places like that. Are you looking for made mostly flat land? I know you said agricultural, unrestricted, but is this is? I know there's also desert, dry dirt in texas too are we looking for like plush lots of grass flat land or like what's the terrain typically look like on the deals you're buying
2: so we're good with hill country right like i'm, I'm looking at you know under 20 acres for 500k right now like that's that's worth over at M. I i hope to sign that one like in a week or two and that's all hills right 100 almost 80 like percent hills only thing you have to be careful about is you want to check your topography right with the land glide link or something similar and to make sure you're just not buying something on the side of a hill Right, so somebody sends you something, and it's like you can see the contour lines on the topography map, and it's the you know 90 foot drop off over a hundred feet walk or something. It's just you can't build anything there, you can't do anything yeah. with it. So that's very rare in Texas, but you will find it. You have to you have to just kind of check on it. But yeah, it's pretty flat. It doesn't have to be lush green grass and, and trees and all that stuff. You know, we we can buy right now. We're looking at, at a lot of sand lots, right? Where it's just pure sand on the floor, like beach sand. So and there's almost no grass at all, just like strange vegetation and flowers so every deal is unique man we can, we can pretty much do it i bought junkyards i bought properties that needed a hundred thousand dollars worth of cleanup. you know so you know there's pretty much anything can be a deal and and i think the only way to get good at identifying deals is just to practice just look at a lot of deals and that's probably the most valuable part of all of this is it's training your eye to find what a good deal looks like because it's not as i guess cut and dry as, as a house where you, you see it it's, it's in terrible shape you get it for 50 cents on the dollar you know, it's going to cost you a hundred grand to remodel it, you know, that kind of stuff with land. You just have to really know what's, what, what a good deal looks like just by seeing enough of them. So like that deal we did last month where we picked up for four and sold for eight. It's like, if, if I hadn't been trained, I wouldn't, if you would have sent me that price of deal for that many acres, I would have laughed at you. But for me, just seeing enough deals, I knew that was a monster deal. You know, the, that one we're picking up for 500 hopefully in a week or two, I know it's worth double, but, you know, I sent it to somebody today and they said it looked like a so-so deal. And I'm like, dude, that's a $600,000 win. So just knowing what to identify by just looking at a lot of deals, I think it's the game.
1: For sure.
0: Damn. All right, I'm stoked. I got to I gotta go pull some lists. No matter, you right? go no matter lists what today. you're
2: doing in real estate, no matter what niche you're in, no matter what you're after, no matter what your end goal is, right? If it's cash flow, we're cash flowing fine. No matter what, I would say section off 10, 20, 30, 50% of your marketing just for land only. And eventually, yeah, you'll get one that's tremendous. One of my students is going to make over a million on his first deal. So, you know, I would say add some sort of land to your marketing. You don't have to quit what you're doing or, or, you know, shiny object syndrome and change your niche. I'm all in. Yeah. I'm
0: all in. I'm (laughs) about the sales pitch. Full sand, I'm I'm, about the sales pitch.
2: (laughs) I would say, yeah, anybody that's listening, 10%, 20% of your marketing, just gear it towards land and you'll hit a deal so big that it'll, it'll just change your mind about real estate entirely. Bro.
0: Well, Thank you so much for coming on, bro. Where can people find out more about you, find out more about HiveMind?
2: HiveMind, Anthony, everywhere. Just just look everywhere. Facebook, TikTok, Google, YouTube. We have a big YouTube channel. We have almost 500 podcast episodes. It's, it's, things are going pretty well, man. But, yeah, anywhere you look online, you just go to Google and put HiveMind Anthony. You'll find us, HiveMind Daniel.
0: Bro. Thank you so much for coming on, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. Go show HiveMind some love. Don't forget to hit like and subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube. And we will talk to you guys next week. Talk to you soon. Peace.
2: Thanks for having me, guys. It was awesome. Appreciate you.